job, Brother Sammy. Man, I'll tell you what, he's coming right along, boy. No telling what the Lord's going to do with him. Take your pumpkin with you and go, brother. Amen. I'm telling you what. I appreciate Brother Sammy, though. I'm telling you what. Sammy is an excellent example of what God will do if somebody's willing. I mean, Sammy is willing to be used wherever wherever God wants him. He's willing. Uh, he sings for us. He get, preaches, gives us devotions, runs the sound, runs the presentation. I mean, wherever he's needed. Sammy's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I'm telling you what, there's no telling what God's going to do with him. Sammy, we appreciate you, brother. Love you. Thank you for singing for us. Amen. It is a blessing, though, to have Brother Dan DeWire with us. Brother, you come. Tell us about your work. Introduce your family. Preach for us. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Well, it is good to be here at Marlborough Baptist Church. We met a portion of your church family in Uganda, and uh, we've thought so highly of you since then and glad for the opportunity to be here tonight. I'm going to introduce most of my family. One of them's left at college, so we're still going through the tissues. But anyway, uh, my wife, Amy, and then uh, my son, Eric, and then our middle child, Emily, and then our oldest, Abby, is a freshman at Bob Jones, just started, and... Uh, so pray for her, pray for us. We do have prayer cards over on the, the table here, so we would appreciate if you'd stop by and pick one up. We'd appreciate even more if you'd pray for us uh, because of those and that reminder. But uh, your church was a blessing to us when you came, and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and just share with you what God's done in our lives and ministry since then. Now, you came in 2017. I've forgotten which month. Do you remember which month? June? Okay. So in June, we were still looking for a place to begin a church. We were in a new location. We just moved down in January. We'd been in Uganda 12 years up in the north part of the, part of the country, and we'd moved down just outside the capital city, about two miles outside the city limits. And we're praying, meeting with a few believers that we had met through our outreach and, and just soul winning and door knocking and met some believers that wanted a church. They, they, some had been saved in another independent Baptist church, which was great. And they were looking for a church and they prayed with us. And, and he, he and I, one of the gentlemen, we'd go around and we'd be looking for places. And that was June. We were looking. And then the beginning of July, God showed us where he wanted us to start a church. And uh, so then from July and August, we prepared the, the facility and we began our first services of Faith Baptist Church on the first Sunday of September 2017. Today is the first Sunday of September 2021. This is our four-year anniversary at our church there in Uganda. Unfortunately, churches are closed in Uganda because of COVID. The entire country is on lockdown, no public gatherings, I mean, no, no you know, company workshops or seminars or conferences, nothing uh, is happening right now. And so uh, we had to do our anniversary service online, which is just not the same. Uh, so we're looking forward to when churches can get back together. But um, at the time, we didn't have a church that, for you to participate in. So when you come back, We'll invite you over, so we'll look forward to that. But we do have a video just to kind of uh, share what God's been doing, and he's the one that's been doing it. I, I'm amazed at what God has done, and I don't know why, because he keeps doing amazing things. Why are we still amazed? <laughs> but that's our God, and he wants us to stay in awe of what he does. And that's really what this church, Faith Baptist Church, is a testament of what God has been doing. And we're excited to be along for the ride and excited that for the encouragement you gave us as we were preparing to begin that church 
and glad now to share with you what God has been doing. So if we can go to that video, and then after that, we'll get into a message. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son. The message of the gospel is the only hope for mankind. Jesus told his disciples to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. We are the Dan Dwyer family, your missionaries in the harvest field of Uganda since 2005. God is truly doing great things in answer to your prayers. In 2017, God moved us from Soroti, a town six hours up country where we had served for 12 years, to Namagongo in Kira town, just two miles outside the nation's capital, Kampala. The urban area presented a very different ministry environment, and we knew from the start that we had to follow the Lord as He directed our steps in planting a new church. In September 2017, Faith Baptist Church began, and the Tony Applegate family joined our ministry team in 2018. By the beginning of 2020, we were nearing capacity in our rented space. Even after expanding the facilities and increasing our sanctuary seating by an additional 60%. In February 2020, we asked you to pray about an opportunity we had to purchase a one-third acre piece of land just 800 yards from our rented space. Just a few weeks later, COVID-19 changed the way we live. Country after country imposed lockdowns. Churches closed or transitioned to online services. Many people were without work. But God never stopped working. In less than one month, God provided the entire remaining amount needed for us to be able to purchase the land. And despite COVID, ministry continued. We moved our church services online, and several of our church members participated in video teaching both children's and adult services during the seven months that Uganda prohibited all public gatherings, including churches. Bible college classes also transitioned to online only, and four students were still able to graduate. During this time, we also continued evangelism and discipleship one-on-one -on -one or with couples. When churches finally reopened, no children's ministries were allowed. Some families continued to worship together online at home. Several of our faithful members from before the pandemic had moved away due to job loss. But new visitors also came seeking hope amidst a troubled world. Others who had accepted Christ as Savior during the pandemic began attending. And we rejoiced to see people baptized for several consecutive weeks as we closed out 2020. At the start of 2021, we finally obtained the land title for the property purchased in 2020. Fellow believers in another ministry-minded engineering organization have volunteered their time to lead our church in creating a shared vision for the master planning and architectural design. And we are thankful for our church servant leadership team and building committee 
which will spearhead the beginning of construction on the first phase while we are on furlough. Our short furlough was scheduled for this year so we can bring our oldest daughter, Abby, back to the U.S. to begin college. We will miss her presence in our home and her participation in ministry. We covet your prayers as she becomes a college student and as we navigate this new chapter of parenting. As her sister did, Emily will be taking dual enrollment classes as she begins her junior year of high school, and Eric will be tackling the challenges of eighth grade. As we look forward to returning to Uganda in November, we are excited about the growing Ladies Bible Study Ministry, family and premarital counseling opportunities, expanding East Africa Baptist College, and of course, the growth and outreach of Faith Baptist Church. Growing ministries provide more opportunities for others to be involved. Are you serving in and growing the ministries of your local church? Have you surrendered to missions? Could God be calling you to serve in Uganda? There truly is joy in serving Jesus. Thank you for your continued prayers for the Dwyer family and for the work God is doing in Uganda to build His kingdom for His glory. He's a good God, isn't he? And uh, to see the church grow from just that handful that we started with, and then it grow, and then COVID, and then rebuild, and now it's COVID again, another lockdown that started the middle of June, and who knows what we'll have when we come back? Well, I'll tell you who knows. The Lord knows, and it's his church. And uh, we have a, our, our current church building, the space that we have for our main auditorium is 20 by 28 feet. It's not very big. And we've got a little wing off of it that we knocked out a doorway and we've got a TV in there for people. So uh, our last, second to the last Sunday before we came back uh, on furlough, um, Lord blessed us with over 80 on a Sunday morning in that little building. The children are in the next room. There's no way we would have fit them all in, um, except when we got brought out the cake. But anyway, everybody comes for that one. But um, God's been building the church, and it's exciting to see not just the numbers, but to see our people growing through discipleship ministry. And we've got five men in our church now that have gone through the discipleship and are able to help with the teaching and our adult Bible studies and serving in different areas with our media and ushering. And it's just exciting to see them grow, ladies that are discipling other ladies. And God is still at work. And sometimes we can look around and get discouraged, but he gives us plenty to be excited about and encouraged about. I'm going to ask you this evening if you'd open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look from verses 19 up to, to verse 34. And... The passage here comes right on the heels of Jesus telling his disciples, when you pray, this is how you pray, what we often call the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is something that's showing us really what God's values are. And now here, as we get into this passage, I kind of see Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount pivoting from that to kind of challenge us about what our values are and what our values should be. And so in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, 
where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you that we were your treasure. Out of all creation, you chose to redeem us when we were the ones least deserving. We rejected you. We, we turned away from you and sought our own desires, our own wisdom, and yet you came and died for us. How grateful we are. Yet so often, I'm afraid that I and, and we don't live out that gratitude. We put our attention on other things. I pray tonight that you would refocus our attention, that you would give us that discernment as we evaluate and we examine the things that we treasure. I pray that we would put our delight in you and welcome for you to put into us the desires for our heart. Thank you that you are a good God and even more that you're a loving Father. So in the name of your Son, we pray that you would bless and teach us and change us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we think by way of introduction on this topic of, of our treasure, our, our treasure here, when we think about that, that definition, I want us to think about what our focus should be, our focus, what our attention should be on, our, our hope or our desires kind of helps us to determine what our treasure is. In fact, our focus, what we're looking towards will determine the things that steal our attention and worry us. I think this coronavirus has kind of illustrated that very well for us. What do we focus on? The election has kind of brought that into focus again. What are we focusing on? That determines the things that will steal our attention, the things that will worry us. But our treasure, our treasure, what is our treasure? I would like to, to give us this idea of a treasure tonight. Our treasure is what we would sacrifice anything to get. That is a treasure. You, you hear of people that find, and, and even Scripture, Jesus talks about the person who hears of, of a pearl in a, in a field, and they'll sell everything to buy that field. What we would give anything else for, that really is our treasure. You know, people that are sick are, are spending their entire life savings for COVID treatment because it's not cheap for many of these uh, treatments and, the, and the, the oxygen and the ventilator and all these things that it costs. And people will spend their money because their health is the treasure more than their cash. Well, what is our treasure? It's what we would sacrifice anything to get. So in verses 19 to 24, Jesus is giving us a reminder about treasure. He's reminding us of some things that we need to be aware of. And, and we saw this first in verse 19. He gives us an exclamation. He says, hey, get heavenly treasure here. Get the heavenly treasure. And he gives us a contrasting statement. First, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he follows that up and says, do get treasures in heaven. See, it's not about whether or not we have treasures it's what kind of treasures that we're getting. Now, I want us to, to step back and, and kind of adjust our, our idea of, 
of what the treasure is. Again, we said it's what we'd sacrifice anything to get, but treasures are not necessarily nice things. You know, it's not the Mercedes or the BMW or, you know, the lake house or, or the mountain cabin because one man's trash is another man's uh, just go to Facebook Marketplace, right? Oh, people will, sometimes you look at eBay and you're wondering why in the world would people say, pay so much money for something so stupid? Because it's a treasure to them. I read of, of a Dorito that wasn't flat. It had a bubble in it. And they sold it for $200,000. It went on some auction, and they were auctioning it off, and the bidding kept going up because it was so rare. I think it started off just like a joke. What went up and up, finally they pulled the auction, but the Frito-Lay company contacted them and said, we want to buy this rare, one-of-a-kind Dorito because we don't make that kind of chip. They use it as a marketing ploy. But a Dorito for $200,000? Now it was Australian dollars, so I don't know how much that is, but it became a treasure because for them it was a marketing thing, but who would pay that much for a chip? Treasure doesn't necessarily mean it's a nice thing. It's what we value. It's what we'd give anything for. And so often God gives things to different people, and we look at those, and we can become covetous, we can become jealous, or we can feel inept because, well, I don't have that. If I had that, God, I could serve you better. But the sad thing is many times if we get it, it just becomes a trophy. And God doesn't give out trophies. He gives us tools to serve him. He doesn't give us things to hang on the wall and admire. He gives us things to use for his glory and to build his kingdom. And so treasures, he's saying, don't lay up treasures on the earth, but instead gather treasures in heaven. Is anyone here a mechanic? Any mechanics here tonight? Your mechanic? How would you like to have the complete set of snap-on tools? Would that, be, would that be good? Would that be helpful? Would that be a blessing? He does. He does? Okay. <laughs> I'm not a mechanic nor the son of a mechanic, so I, that wouldn't do me any good. All I could do with those is get some pegboard and hang them up on a wall because I wouldn't know what to do with them except look at them. Now, do you think God's going to bless me with a complete set of snap-on tools? No, because they wouldn't be much of a tool for me. But if God blesses you with that, brother, praise the Lord. I'm going to rejoice with them that rejoice. Because God gives us what we need for the task that he has assigned for us to do. And it's not a trophy. You use your tools, I'm assuming. You don't just look at them and say, boy, aren't they pretty? That's not why you buy them. That's not why you have them. That's not why God provided them. And so for me, it wouldn't be much of a treasure but for me to get jealous because he has them would also be foolish. We need to realize God equips us for what he's called us to do and not comparing each other. Don't lay up the treasures on this earth. Lay up treasures in heaven. And then he goes on, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. My heart rests with my treasure. My heart rests with my treasure. What I really value, that's where my heart is. Now, we can have different types of treasures. And we talk about our daughter that's away at college. My kids, my wife, they are treasures to me. Not in the same way that our ministry is a treasure, but our ministry is a treasure. My church family is a treasure 
to me. They are a blessing, and I'm so thankful for them. They are things that God gives us as treasure, and my heart rests with my treasure. I'm going to invest, and I'm going to give time to the things that I treasure. And Jesus said that's exactly how it is, and we can identify what we truly treasure by what our heart longs for. So my heart rests with my treasure. Jesus said, get heavenly treasure. And I'm thankful that he didn't just give us an instruction. He also gives us an explanation. And he gives us those in verses 22 to 24. He gives us explanations for treasure. In verse 22, he says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So first we see our eye. And that's talking about our focus, as we mentioned earlier, our focus. What we look at the things that we give our attention to. Our thoughts regarding circumstances are going to determine our emotions. You know, we can look at situations, and when we forget that God is still sovereign, we can really get discouraged about some things. But God never stopped being God. One example is, is when we, were, we mentioned that we were trying to buy land. February of 2020... We sent out a letter to our churches asking them to pray about helping us buy land. Real estate in our part of Uganda was increasing about 10% per year. That was pretty steep. And we were trying to save money from our support, but at that rate, we would never have money to buy land. And we prayed, and God gave us peace about asking our churches to help. We don't normally do that, but this is a very significant expense. And we had about $20,000 saved, but it was going to cost us about $110,000 to get a third of an acre with banana trees, no building, just some banana trees on it. But this is in a very large urban area. There are about a million people in our county, and we're two miles from the city limit. It's expensive real estate. Think of going up to the D.C. suburbs. It's not cheap. But I told our church family, when God wants us to have land, we will have it. Because he already owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns the hills that the cattle are on. And so when he's ready, he can transfer the title to us, whether, we need the, whether he gives us through money or whatever it is, he already owns it. That was one thing to say. But I'll be honest, there were times I got discouraged. Lord, that's a lot of money. February 2020, we sent that letter out. What happened in the United States in February 2020? Layoffs, businesses were closing, and everyone's saying, you better stockpile money because we don't know how long this is going to last. And I'm saying, thinking, it's going to be months or years before we have money to buy land. By the end of February, God had provided over $90,000 to add to our 20 to buy land from people that didn't even know us. But they knew my father, and he had put it on their heart to give towards this need. It's not hard for God. I can look at the circumstances, but he wants me to look to him. Because where our focus is, it will determine our emotions, and a wrong focus is going to bring wrong results. You know, we, we see this. I, sometimes you can look on, if you're on Facebook, I don't get on there much, but sometimes I'm looking for an update, and you have to scroll, and people post these things. One of the things I like, it's kind of humorous. People post something that's called, you had one job, right? And uh, we've got some examples of that. If we can go to the next slide here. Uh, one job. There's some funny-looking spoons. You know, just put the spoons in the package that says, 
Spoons. One job. So where are the spoons? Next slide. Well, obviously, they're in the package named forks. So one job. When our focus is wrong, we're going to get wrong results. People, I like this next one. This looks like, looks like Uganda. They export a lot of flowers. That might be where these are from. Do not stag. Uh, we're at the point now that we're looking for a contractor to help us get a, a final building plan so we can begin constructing on that land God has given us. And we don't want to hire the builder in this next picture. I don't think that's going to work for us. So, Have you ever been distracted and you didn't do it right? You know, this summer we had to teach our daughter how to drive. We lived in Uganda, and in Uganda you have to be 18 to begin driver's ed. We came home when she was 17, she turned 18 in June. So we had to, to buy a car, had she, she had to get her permit, and then we had to practice driving, get her driver's license, she got a job, and now we sent her off to college, and we keep praying that the other cars stay far away. But one of the big things you teach a new driver is do not have distracted driving, right? You know, Put the phone out of reach, you know, all these things, distracted driving. Why? Because it brings bad results. And in ministry, and by the way, all of us as believers are called to ministry. It might not be in the employment of a church, but we're all called to ministry. And when we're distracted from what our focus should be, it's going to bring wrong results. Because our eye, what we look at, determines what our treasure is. Not only is our eye what Jesus is explaining. He said, the light of the body is eye. If thy eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So the first example and illustration, explanation is our eye. The second he gives here is in verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Why is that? Because our master is our greatest love. You're here tonight because you love the body of Christ. You love the worship of our Savior. Are there other things you could be doing on a Sunday night? Definitely. But what you love will become our master. Well, you know, maybe, this, maybe tonight, maybe this week we won't go to church because of this. Maybe instead of giving our tithe, don't ever do this. Instead of giving our tithe, we'll use it for, hey, our master is really what we love the most. Many times it's ourself. We wouldn't say that, but, well, I really need to do this instead. Well, I know I should be doing this, but this is a special situation. But it's all about what I need. Our master is our greatest love. And Jesus is illustrating that for us. He's helping us understand that our treasure is where our heart is, and it's what we're looking at that determines our treasure. The things that we, if we're, he's, if we look at what our neighbors have, if we look at his tool set and we get jealous, hey, where's our focus? It's going to draw us away from what God is giving us to be our focus. Because I wouldn't be able to minister to somebody very well trying to help them fix their car. It's just not, it would not be a ministry. It would be misery. But God has given each of us skills, each of us tools 
that he wants us to use to build his kingdom. In fact, he doesn't even want us to be the ones actively building. He wants us to be tools in his hands. When we teach in our Bible college, two illustrations that I use, one, a lot of times we need to be the gloves that we let God put on and flex and use to build his kingdom or the tool that he's using. And I often talk about a carpenter building a table and you know, he has a hammer and a saw and nails and a planer and, and a stack of lumber and he takes those and he cuts and he assembles and he builds a table or a pulpit or chairs or whatever it may be. And the tools don't get to decide what they're going to build. The tools don't get to decide which site the truck is going to that day. The tools belong to the carpenter, and he's going to build what he wills to build. We are tools in the master's hand. He is a master carpenter. He's a master builder. He's a wise master builder. He is the workman, the workman that makes us a special created workmanship, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God wants to use us to build his kingdom. But when our focus is on ourselves or on the other tools, well, why did they get the special sheath? Why do they get oil on the, you know, we can compare ourselves, but he's going to give us what we need for the task that he's given to us. But our master is our greatest love. We cannot serve two masters. When we're serving one, we're hating. And that, that word hate is a comparative word, not a qualitative. It's not saying, well, you, you hate God. It's saying by comparison, you're putting this ahead of God, which means by comparison, you're hating him. And sadly, we do that quite often in our lives because our heart gets drawn away by what we look at, by what we compare to, instead of focusing on our Savior. Get heavenly treasure, not the earthly treasure. He's giving us this, this advice because he wants to build his kingdom, and he wants to use us. If you've got a set of tools, which ones do you maintain? The ones that you use frequently or the ones that sit on the shelf? The ones that you use frequently get the most maintenance. Hey, if God is going to be using us, he will maintain us. Paul talks about the fact that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But that promise comes in the context of the believers that are being used to build his kingdom. Those that are active and those that are giving and being involved in ministry, he's going to keep providing the maintenance that he needs. I use the illustration of, of water in a pipe. Uh, out in front of our church, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you'll remember from the photos, there was a picture of a big blue pipe on that property. Right in front of our church right now, there, is a two and a, there was a two and a half inch water main running past our church. They just replaced it with that 16 inch pipe. That was the extra piece. Why did they go from a two and a half inch to a 16 inch pipe? Because the people that were being served by that two and a half inch pipe had grown and grown and grown, so the capacity of the water line needed to be increased. Why did, does God increase our capacity? Because we're serving more and more and more. And the thing about a pipe and about a faucet, it only gets more water when it's given out what it has. As we have been blessed by God, he's going to keep giving us and supplying us as we distribute to others. 
And the more that, he, that we are used to distribute to others, the bigger water main he makes in us. He supplies. And it's not for us to compare, well, their pipe is bigger than mine. Well, maybe we need to be used more to supply more with the gospel. God always provides. There's an endless supply of living water. He that comes to me shall never thirst. It's not like our water pipe's going to run dry like our pipes in Uganda do. Whenever they grade the road, they rip the water pipe up. Satan can't rip it up. God has an endless supply. But we need to be willing to let the faucet open up and flow to others through us, not trying to keep it for ourselves. But what are the results then? What are the results of having that as our treasure, having the gospel as our treasure? Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll look at the results of having the gospel as our treasure. Remember, a treasure, it's what we'd sacrifice anything else to get. And Paul starts off here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, seeing, therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Let me ask you this. Have you received mercy? Has God been merciful? And because we have received mercy, we have ministry. In chapter 5, he tells us we have the ministry of reconciliation. Because we have been reconciled to God, we can show others how they can be reconciled to God. And it's not through us. Hallelujah. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not dependent on us. It's dependent on Jesus Christ. Our church doesn't have to go to a priest or to a pastor. We have one high priest, one mediator, which is Jesus Christ. And our role is to just point people to him. What a great opportunity and also a relief that we don't have to be the one to give them salvation. We don't have to be the one to convince them. We share the gospel and God's word doesn't return void. I'm amazed at people that we share the gospel with and they don't accept Christ. But we find out years later that God kept working on their heart. The Holy Spirit can use that message, that gospel message, and years later they come to Christ. Not where we can say, look at how many people I got saved, because it's not about us. We're just the pipe. A pipe doesn't know how many thirsty people get a drink. It's just giving out the water. We have received this ministry as we have received mercy, and we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. As we look at the results of, of having the gospel as our treasure, the first thing we're going to see that it does is sanctify us, and it causes us to renounce sin. We're not going to get tricky. We're not going to get deceitful. We're going to be honest, handling the word of God, manifestation of the truth. If we're going to be a vessel that can carry the water of life to the world. We've got to be a clean vessel. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you got a dirty cup, dirty plate, dirty fork? That one's pretty common. What does it do to your appetite? You're at that buffet, and then you go down and you get your plate and you, your fork, and you're like, hmm, if my fork's this dirty, what's the rest of the kitchen like, right? What is it like to the unsaved when we are bringing the gospel to them and our cup is dirty. 
I wonder how often they lose their appetite. See, our job is first, we've got to confess our sins. If God's going to use us, have you ever turned on a, a faucet and it's a, it hasn't been used in a while and the, it's, the valve is rusty and the water comes out brown? You're not quite as thirsty, are you? When, when things are, are discoloring, when things are, are dirtying the message, people lose their appetite. People lose their thirst. We need to be pure. We need to be holy. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. How do we do that? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And what's that next word? Forgive us and to cleanse us. He didn't make it a very lengthy process. It's not something real hard. God, this was wrong. We confess, he cleanses us, and he's ready to use us again. Hey, it might not be in the same exact way that maybe he originally intended, but he still has a use for every one of us to deliver the water of life to somebody. We have a ministry. But I don't deserve it, Brother Dan. You don't know what I've done. You're right, but we have received mercy. And God has a ministry for you. It might be right here in Rafine. It might be in Uganda. Hallelujah. Come on over with us. But God has ministry, and we need to begin where we are. Well, maybe if I can go and do this, or if I get there, then I can serve God. No, no. Right now. Because it's not about our abilities. It's about God's ability. It's about our availability. God, use me. Let me be that vessel to carry the water of life. Let me renounce the sin and cleanse and be clean and ready for you to use me. We need to renounce our sin. Then verses 3 to 6, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. It's not something that they will be blinded. They are already blinded. Why? Because he doesn't want the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What, what's the next result of, the, of having the gospel as our treasure? It reveals the Savior. Hey, this is who Jesus is. There used to be, when I was growing up, it was common to have these bracelets, WWJD. What did that mean? What did that stand for? What would Jesus do? Recently, I was challenged by a question that is far better than what would Jesus do. Here's the question. What is Jesus doing through you right now? Not what would he do if you were available. We need to be available. We need to be ready. God is ready to work through us. Is he? If God's not working through us, the question should be why? It's not what would he do. It's what is he doing right now? Is God building his kingdom through you and through me right now. It reveals the Savior. Because if the gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Here, as members of Marlbrook Baptist Church, you know the gospel. It's the people outside that it's hidden. And it's not necessarily just because they don't want to hear it. Those people are there. But sadly, America has become a place where people have never heard. It's hidden Oh, they can listen to the radio. We give out gospel tracts. Our church sign is there. They can come. That's true. But how many times have you driven by a place and it's not till somebody points it out that you actually notice that it's there? The devil's hiding it from them. We're supposed to be the light. 
But you know in a dark night, when you're driving down the highway on these back roads, and then somebody has a really, really, like a car dealership, and they have this, like, floodlight that's meant for an entire city block, and it's on three cars. But you come out around the corner, and it's a bright light. Do you notice that? We do. We're to be that light, telling people, here is vision. Here is hope. Here is safety. We told our daughter, if you're ever driving and you feel like somebody's following you and it's unsafe, go to some place that's really well lit, like a, a nice gas station, like a Sheets or something like that. Some place that's not, you know, questionable, but go to a bright place where there are other people. Because where there's light, we find safety. And we need to be that light to the world, revealing our Savior. But it's not according to our ability. It's not, well, I need to get more light. We have the light of life, Jesus Christ, living inside of us. So how do we do it? Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This morning I preached a message from Judges chapter 7 about Gideon and his army of 300 men. And I won't preach it again tonight. I'm already preaching a message for you, so we won't give you two. But in that in that story, that illustration of Gideon, he had the trumpet, he had the torch, and he had the pitcher, and the pitcher was inside the torch. What had to happen for the enemy, the Midianites, those in darkness, those without Christ, what had to happen for them to see the light? The pitcher had to be broken. We've got to tear off that shell of our flesh. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's in us, but we've got to take off people seeing us. We've got to break that idea that it's about us and people seeing us, and we've got to let Christ be seen through us. We've got to be transparent. We like to put on a good face, right? This COVID thing taught us that many of us have been wearing masks for a long time. We've got to take that off. That flesh that we try to get to look so good and have people see right through us to Jesus Christ. We need to reveal or, or to rely on the Spirit. It's not about our treasure, I mean, about our power, that the excellency of, power, of the power may be of God and not of us. See, when we try to get people to like Jesus because of our reputation and we're referring them to Him, that's the wrong motivation. I just need to let Christ live through me because I can't be like Christ in my own strength. I have to be dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. As Christ lives through us, His light is what's seen. It's not about my reputation. It's not about what people think. Now, I need a good testimony. I understand that. But it's not about so much what people think of me. It's about what people think of Jesus Christ because of me. And that's why I renounce the sin, so that I can reveal the Savior. But in doing so, I must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, you don't know the people I work with. It's a true statement. But my Father knows, and He put you there for a purpose. Well, you don't know that neighbor. You don't know what they do. You don't know how their fence is actually on my side of the line. We move the fence far over. And Christ said, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to take back that ground that we've given up to Satan. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't have both. So he took us out of the devil's family and he made us his own. We've received mercy. 
We can show mercy. And we can show the light of Christ. Do you recognize the mercy you've received tonight? (laughs) Without it, we'd be condemned and on our way to hell. But with it, we are never condemned. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the mercy of God. Not only that, he gave us his spirit so we can live out that love and mercy to others, showing forth, holding forth the word of life, proclaiming Christ in the mercy and the power of his Holy Spirit, pointing others to Christ to build his kingdom. God, I'm available. Is that your prayer tonight? Won't you stand with me as we pray? Father, your mercy, it's very humbling. And we could add in there your grace, your redemption, your love for us. But because of your mercy, you've given us ministry because every one of us has the testimony that I was a sinner, but now I'm a child of the king, I'm a saint. Not because of any good that I've done, but because of the goodness of Jesus Christ, your son, his righteousness, which you imparted, you placed on me when you took away my sin. What a testimony. What a message of hope that you've given to us. And sadly, we keep it to ourselves way too often. We want to polish up the image. We want to get the trophies. We want to be thought of highly when we should be thinking of you. Father, I pray that you would refocus our attention. Maybe it's not far off, but it can all be more clear in focusing on you. It's your mercy that has made the difference in my life, in our lives. It's your love. It's the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's the message of hope that those in this world whose minds and and eyes have been blinded by the enemy, that's what they need to hear. And in your sovereign wisdom, you chose to use us. Father, I don't know why, except that you knew it was best. And in choosing us, you promised to equip us and empower us. And you've been faithful. So, Father, tonight I pray that we also would be faithful in our availability, submitting to your control so that your ability can work through us to build your kingdom not for our glory, but for yours. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps tonight there's something that God has challenged you that you've not made available. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come and uh, if you want to play a song, but maybe you need to make your heart available to accept that gift of eternal life. If you've never done that, there's mercy for you in Jesus Christ, Pastor.
Thank you, Brother Dwyer. Appreciate that message. Two questions. One, what is your treasure? There's some tests that we can find out what your treasure is. It's whatever you love. That's, that's, that's what you're pursuing. That's what's mastering you. So first, what is your treasure? And if your treasure is Christ, what is Christ doing through you? Appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Tremendous message, simple, clear. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. We're going to dismiss. After we dismiss, they'll be over here next to the table. Make sure you come by. Talk to them for a moment. If you was able to go on the Uganda trip, make sure you reconnect and uh, remind them who you were and the crazy things you did while you were on the bus. They'll remember you when you tell them. I'm the guy that, you know, then they're like, oh, yeah, you that guy. But uh, make sure you reconnect with them. Thank you all for coming, brother. It's good to have you with us. Brother Andy, would you pray and dismiss us? Thank you for the evening. Thank you for the message that went forth tonight. And Father, we pray that you would eat, just help each one of us, Lord, to search our hearts, Lord, to see what our treasures truly are. Lord, that we may put everything aside, that we may serve you. And Father, we just pray. We thank you, Lord, for the evening, and pray, Lord, to this blessed time. Keep us safe as we go on our way home and bring us back to our next appointed time. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Amen.